Welcome to FamilyCast. I'm Kyle Gowen. And I'm Amy Gowen. We're glad you've joined us today. FamilyCast is a weekly conversation about marriage, parenting, and all things family. Hey guys, welcome back to Family Cast. It's we're excited that you're here with us today. Thank you for joining in and listening to uh, all the new episodes that are out right now. Uh, and I also want to say thank you so much for rating uh, the podcast. We, if you haven't done that yet. I want to encourage you, would you please go out to your uh, podcast application, wherever you get your podcast, and rate the show. Uh, that really, really helps in tremendous ways of getting the uh, the press out, I guess, and getting more people involved in FamilyCast. Uh, what you're enjoying, you want your friends to know. So if you do that and uh, let other people know, Amy, it's a beautiful day outside and uh, we get to do some yeah. talking. I am pumped about season two. One of my favorite things, Kyle, about this podcast that we've started is interviewing people. I remember back the first season, just people that we've talked to, things that we've learned personally um, as a family and as a couple, but also just being able to get people's stories out there. We've heard a lot about how that ministers to a lot lot of people in all kinds of situations. So I'm super excited about our guests today, Adam and Katie Comer. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. You know, story is huge. Uh, I, I think that's one of the things I love about the Old Testament and and the New Testament. But being able to identify with story that is so huge. And so today, as a- Adam and Katie are with us, uh, one of the things that uh, we're going to be talking about, or the main thing that we're going to be talking about, is uh, restored marriages, uh, specifically in the context of addiction. Adam is a pastor. He's also the CEO, chief executive officer of uh, Spring to Life uh, Recovery Ministries. Mm -hmm. Uh, Adam, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family and about the ministry? Okay, excellent. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having us. Um, I will say it's been a real blessing for FamilyCast and listening to it as a a married couple in our 30s with two young kids, just the experience of marriage and your, sometimes you you express your mess ups and your Uh your wins on things that you've done. It's been a really cool, um, just another resource for for us to listen to. So that's great. Thank you so much. Very welcome. So, uh, yeah, the ministry S2L Recovery or Spring to Life Recovery, we are a male Christ-centered addiction recovery facility. Uh, We've been around for 13 years. Uh, We teach biblically uh, that there is freedom from addiction, uh, that when who the sun sets free is free indeed, and uh, addiction is not a surprise to God. And so it's different. It's different from the mainstream secular approach. Uh, the, The main difference is, I'd say, if someone's listening, uh, we don't we don't identify with our addiction. We don't say, hey, I'm Adam, I'm an addict, and this is my story. We believe that's anti-biblical mm-hmm. uh, because the Bible is so full of freedom in our identities in Christ. And how dare us yeah. say wow. that we're addicts when the Bible says that we've been crucified with Christ. Yeah, that's awesome. I who live. And so we teach a curriculum called Lost and Found Recovering Christ. It was written by uh, Bruce Stanley, uh, and it's, it's from Second Peter, and it just talks about growth. And inside out growth, not outside in growth. So not white knuckling it and behavior modification and hoping that things change. 
it's, hey, the Bible says if you first clean the inside of the cup and dish, the outside will also be clean. And so it's a, it's a, a growth model. Of so do you approach. have to be a follower of Christ to come to uh, Spring to Life, S2L? No, not at all. We've had atheists, we've had um, uh, Muslims, we've had Buddhists, we've had agnostics, everything you can think of, a Jewish uh, uh, belief, everything you could think of can come. All are welcome, but we're not going to change our message, though. Yeah. And so that's set up front. Um, so that's a little bit of flyby of the ministry. Uh, God's doing incredible work. We've had some incredible things happen just this last three months. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a little bit of the ministry and family. Katie, what do you, what do you think? What, what, talk about our family. Adam and I have been married for 11 years and we have two incredible, uh, children. They are four and two, Eli and Ella, and they are just full of energy and so much fun, so much life. And we are just so incredibly blessed to be where we're at. And um, the story to get there, though, is pretty incredible oh, and yeah. how God um, has redeemed and restored us to get to where we're at. Adam, talk, talk a few moments about just, uh, man, y'all's early life and um, what got you to the point. Uh, I mean, you are, I'm going to say you were a former addict. You are no yeah, longer. That's right. So talk a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah. It's uh, per statistics and per watching our life. We shouldn't be sitting here today as a married couple. Uh, God, God receives the glory and he rest restored our marriage and everything. But yeah, so early on, I, um, I hurt my back. I moved down to New Orleans after Katrina or hurricane Katrina hit, injured my back and was introduced to really powerful prescription medication. And man, taking that first drug, something clicked. This is what you've been missing your whole life. Wow. Um, wow. and it, it seemed like the answer. And then all of a sudden, you know, before you know it, it starts, you need more and more and more and more and more. And, and, you know, that's expensive. And so you begin to become a thief. You begin to Mm -hmm. do whatever the drug tells you to do to get more of the drug. Um, and that's, that's addiction. Uh, it's idolatry. I I was worshiping inevitably worshiping myself because I was doing what I wanted to make me feel good, but I was doing whatever I could for something that could fit in the palm of my hand. Um, hurting whoever I could hurt didn't matter as long as I was serving me and pleasing me. Well, along the lines, my wife and I, we actually, I don't think, think she said this, but I tricked her into dating me when I was 16 years old. Mm. Uh, we went to high school together, high school sweethearts. Uh, I went to UT Chattanooga. She stayed at UT Knoxville. So we did break up for a time. She dated people. I dated people. But I moved back from New Orleans with this secret life going on that no one knew with this addiction. Uh, started, so all of this, let me get, get this straight. So all of this was happening. You were not married um, when Katrina happened? Correct. Were you a follower of Christ then? Yeah, I was. I, I, I came to know the Lord when I was 12 years old. Okay. And so the question could be, well, how could you go and do these things if you were a believer in Jesus Christ? And um, I, I think that could be a question turned on anybody. How could any of us do any of the things? And it's just yeah. sin and it's just rebellion. Uh, the reason that I know I'm a believer, I was a believer, is because there was conviction mm. in yeah. my rebellion, and it wasn't worldly. It was it was something in my soul that was Adam. You are running from God. Yeah. So okay. So you're not married at the time, Correct. but you're dating, or was this during a breakup time? <laughs> so we broke up for most of college, and this was a little after college um, that he was at in Contrita okay. doing his work. Um, and then when he moved back from Katrina doing some relief work is when we started dating again. Uh, so we broke up for a good five, 
or so years from high school to college and after college. So, so did you have any idea of what was going on, Katie? I had no idea. He hit it well. Um, He had no idea. I mean, looking back, there were some signs like couldn't hold a job. Um, He was moving to the next thing. Uh, Looking back, I could see that there were signs, Mm -hmm. but I was just so in love. And Adam is always the guy that everybody loves. He was always, you know, the popular guy had all the friends and he still, you know, was that essentially, especially at the very beginning and dating me again. And then when we were a few years into marriage is when it really started taking off in his addiction that he couldn't hide it anymore. Yeah. Our courtship is what I call it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what was a, what were a couple of those signs that like started going off after you were married that said, something's not right here. Yeah. So he really was a really distant towards me. He was very secretive with his phone. Um, he was, um, not coming home at night. Um, really hardly at all. And he would use excuses that he was hanging out with a cousin or something or playing video games or working late. Um, but I just was like, this can't be what marriage is about. Right. And he, he should be my best friend. And so... Did you suspect another woman or something? Yeah, I was definitely... You know, and that's a big part of kind of where he came clean. Um, yeah. But I one day was like, this cannot be what marriage is about. There has to be something. Money was... His paycheck wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Money was come, going out, not coming home at night. So yeah, I definitely thought it was another woman. So I approached him. I confronted him about it. And I said, we can work through anything. Um, I believe that God can restore anything. I need you to come clean. Are you having an affair with me? Katie, real quick, I need to ask this. And then Amy, you... Yeah, yeah. So was there... What did it take... In, in you to like muster up or whatever yeah. to say, I've got to confront this. What was, what, what was that like? Yeah. So let me think back to that time and the realness and the rawness of it. But, um, I, it had gone on for at least a year, year and a half, really. So it wasn't like one day I was like, okay, I'm just going to ask him about it. I was ready to not be in this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so I was needing answers before making any sort of decisions. And so I said, Adam, yeah, it was just that I was, I was just so over it. Yeah. I was so over being by myself. Did you have any um, people around you or did anyone else know about your concerns or doubts? Yeah. At that time, no. And that was the hardest part is I wasn't open with people. Matter of fact, you were, you were making excuses for me. Yeah, yeah. that was a hard yeah. thing too. Why why isn't he coming to the family picnic? Why isn't he coming to church? Why is he leaving early at church? Yeah. yeah. Um and I was like, "Oh, he's got to work." <laughs> I don't know how many times I use that excuse. Yeah. But like it was just so ridiculous, but yeah, it, that was yeah, that was um what was your question? I'm sorry. Well, did anyone know? Did yeah, you yeah. have anyone? So, yeah, I was com- it, I completely hit it from my family. I completely hid it from my friends. Um, and that was just really the hardest part was just just wearing the mask, wearing the mask. Everything's good. How you doing? Everything's good. Good. So what it feel like for you 
in the midst of all of this and kind of leading up to her confronting, confronting you, you yeah. and all yeah. that. What what was that like for you? And then the confrontation. Yeah. So so leading up to it, um, it was it was chaos. I was living multiple lives, multiple different lies, having to keep up with that. Uh, so it was exhausting. But that's just what sin will do. That's what addiction will do, especially when you're trying to hide a life. And the reason that. Um, it's horrible, but it makes the spouse or whoever's closest, the mom, the dad, whoever's engaged in their life of someone who's addicted, uh, you're almost made to feel dumb. Mm -hmm. And it's because the one that if, if they're living any successful life of addiction, uh, they have had to become a master manipulator uh, to keep that lifestyle going. Otherwise, they would be caught a long time ago. And so. You, you, she began to question herself, feel stupid. But I was just, I was, I didn't care. I was rebelling. I was trying to please me. And I remember the, the engagement, I believe we were engaged for six or eight months, but I, I proposed to her at a Tennessee basketball game on the kiss cam. Oh, uh, that's romantic. Yeah, that, <laughs> and that would just should show you how self-centered that is. I got all the attention. I was there with my favorite team. Uh, you knew of, she was going to say yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got the best of all worlds, right? Um, and that's on YouTube. You can go watch it. Kiss cam proposal. <laughs> no, uh, and so it was, it was a moment, but then early on in our marriage, I just, we didn't know what to expect. She didn't. It was easy to lie. Yeah. And the thing is, she's a PK. And I know you guys know that. She was a preacher's kid. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. is. And she okay. was not the rebellious preacher's kid. She was the good girl that didn't know the darkness of the world until, I, unfortunately, I showed her. Mm. So she wanted to believe me. She yeah. wanted to trust me. And I took advantage of it. Yeah. yeah. So you mustered up the, the wherewithal to the courage yeah. to, to confront him. Yeah. Um, at that point where you think, well, you said we can work this out Yeah. because you're thinking it's, it's an affair. Yeah. I was willing to work it out and I didn't know what he was going to say. I thought it was an affair, but, um, he denied it. Mm -hmm. Right. He, he denied an affair. He was like, is that really, I remember, I even remember where you were standing yeah. in front of a closet and I was on the bed and he looked at me and he was like, is that really what you think of me? And that, that I would, that I could do that to you is what he said. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually, that, that crushed me when she asked me that I, I wasn't fully aware, you know, I guess I was just a, expecting that she was believing my lies. Yeah. Uh, when she asked me that, that was a realization. And that actually was what led to the first confession. Yeah. When you say the first confession, what, what do you mean by that? That no, I'm not um, having an affair. I'm addicted to prescription pain medication. It took him a few days to admit that. He was finally sitting yeah. on the bed a few days later and he was like, okay, I'm ready to tell you. Okay. And I said, okay. <laughs> I was like, here it is. She's going to tell me about this affair. And we sat on the bed and he was like, I have been taking these painkillers and I have tried to come off of them myself. And I remember him trying to come off of himself. He had like a stomach ache and he could not get over it. I still remember it. I was like, just take some Pepto-Bismol. I still remember he was probably like, that ain't going to help. <laughs> um, but he tried to come off of it himself. Yeah. He couldn't. And he was like, I don't know what to do from here. Yeah, but this and the is thought process was interesting too. Yeah. Her mindset was, I'm relieved he's not having an right. affair. Okay. Yeah. This is easy. Just pour him out in the toilet. Let's yeah, go. I said, We're let's done just tomorrow. flush him out. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. And thinking that that's all it took and we'd be better tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Right. And now obviously that's not how it works. So first off, Katie, I want to say, man, the fact that you you confronted uh, someone you loved 
uh, is huge. It is. The fact that you were willing to say, I'm in it. Yeah. Uh, because there are, you know, everybody's story is different. Uh, and you guys obviously had, um, even in the darkest moments, though, you you, you said, I, I knew Christ was in my life. Yeah. So you, you guys had the gospel. Uh, but let me, I, I want to ask you to think for just a moment to the, the wife, the husband who's ready to go, I'm going to confront this, and I don't know that I, I don't want to stay. What do you say to that someone like that? How do you, I mean, you're in the middle of counseling women and men today. I know, well, you're counseling women and Adam, you're counseling men. Mm-hmm. You guys do this at our church. To a wife who says, I- I'm done. Yeah. How, what, what would you tell them to encourage them in their moment right now? Because there's probably somebody listening yeah, right. right now who is, they're, they're over it. Mm-hmm. How do you encourage that? Yeah, I do. I, I meet with uh, women all the time who are just in that place. They're in that desperate, that desperate place. And yes, I, I approached it from a place of forgiveness. I wanted to stay. Um, but as we move forward, I will admit that there yeah. were times where I was not really wanting to yeah, stay. And yeah. so I got there. Yeah, as the story continues, she yeah. she she falls in that very question. She, her mindset went there. Uh, in fact, we separated. Yeah, mm. we'll talk about that yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and Before then we'll we get, get there. I want to get there because so I was that in that moment. place. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. And so uh, she was supportive. I went. I was caught, fought it, resisted, lied, went to rehab. Uh, she was there every time the doors were open, counseling, mm-hmm. visitation, supportive. I love you. We could do this. All the while in this rehab, I'm hearing uh, that this is my new identity, and I'm going to be this the rest of my life, and I'm going to just go to these meetings and do these steps, and I'm going to be okay. I'll be in remission, but I'll always be an addict, and I just it's something that we have to live with. Uh, and I was playing the game. I was saying what needed to be said, going along with it. Yeah, yeah. And all the while, she thinks he's being healed. Uh, as long as he comes out mm-hmm. and he goes to these meetings and does this stuff, he's good. Um, and it was just a it was just a lie. Um, the day I got out, I was using, she thought everything was better. Life spirals even quicker, you know, yeah. cause the people that were easy to manipulate no longer are allowed to manipulate and it just spiraled quicker yeah. and ended up getting, uh, separated. Uh, what was in the dark comes to the light. Yeah. Uh, she, she left me. I was kicked out of everywhere I could live. Uh, and finally just hit a place. I remember Googling, uh, is there such thing as a Christian recovery? And S2L showed up. I don't know how, didn't know how I was going to get there, um, but did. And every day there's mail, there's mail runs, I guess, as a, as a student, we call them students. So I went, the, the place you introduced as the chief, I actually went through the program. Um, but every day there's mail runs and I, um, I was dreading hearing my name called. I just knew divorce papers every single oh, time. Wow. The, I knew, okay, don't call my name. Don't call my name. Divorce papers are coming. So the question you just asked, what, what do you tell women who aren't willing to make it work? And to be honest, I was there. At that point, I had confessed to my family. Mm-hmm. I would confessed to friends. I was now surrounded by people who loved me um, and wanted the best for me. And not that they were telling me what to do, but as a parent, you want your child to, or your sister or your friend to be healthy and to be 
I was no longer happy. And so not that they were telling me what to do, but I got asked several times, when is enough enough? And I was really questioning that. I was like, when is enough enough? Uh, Enough is, you know, now. And I remember sitting on my back porch answering that question from a friend of mine. And I said, you know what? I don't know (laughs) when enough is enough, but... And this is something when I shared my testimony with um, my church, I shared at a at a women's uh, conference, if you will. And when I was preparing for this talk, I was praying through it and God instantly reminded me of a conversation that I had with a lady. Mm. And it was the most powerful thing because I had talked about my testimony for years Mm -hmm. and this had never come up. And I really believe it is now something that somebody needed to hear there at that conference, but not only that then, but now as I'm talking, this lady had come up to me and she said, I was telling her my story and she was asking where Adam was. And she went to my church back in Knoxville and she just looked at me and she said, well, what if you gave him one more chance? Mm. What if? And for somebody listening now, um, or whenever I share my testimony, I want that to sting. What if you gave your husband or your wife Mm -hmm. one more chance? Mm. Yeah. And that one more chance turned into 11 years of marriage, CEO of S2O Recovery, two children, and a life, you know. A life of freedom. Of freedom. And yeah, there were a lot of trust issues. Yeah. I kid you not. And, but it was that one chance, that one thing. And I, I've since ac- actually gone to that lady and thanked her for yeah. that. Yeah. And she had no idea. She was like, I remember that conversation. I don't remember what I said. I just remember. <laughs> she was like, I remember thinking, walking away from that conversation. If I said too much. And mm. I said, well, you probably did, <laughs> but you know what? God used it. Yeah. I know, Katie, I've heard your testimony yeah. and I've heard you share that very story. And that stuck with me is just that comment. And I love how it was so serendipitous. She didn't realize even yeah. what the Holy Spirit was uh, calling to her mind. But what if you did one more time? Yeah. Give him one more chance. Yes. Yeah. That's that's powerful. So, Adam, you're the recipient of that one more chance. Yeah. So like, well, what happened from there? Yeah. Well, that moment is very important in both of our lives. And we didn't know it was happening in both of our lives, but I was beginning to hear things about God. And I grew up in church, right? I was there every time the doors were open and have godly parents and I knew the gospel and I knew God and I was saved, but I heard things about his mercy and grace and the promises that he has in a way I'd never heard them. And I, and I think it was because Um, I was put in that position and I always say this, God used addiction like a puppet, like Mm. a puppet to draw me to him. Wow. And there's all this talk about how powerful addiction is, but it was used like a puppet on a string to draw me to him. So I'm broken in a place Mm. and he begins to reveal, Hey, here's my promises. Here's my mercy and grace. And it's lavished upon you child. And as I'm hearing these things, my mindset changes. It goes from foxhole prayers, God, if you get me out of this, I'll never do it again, to this, God, even if she divorces me, I'm going to serve you. Even if I go to jail, I'm going to serve you. And at the same time that I'm praying this, 
Katie's experiencing the very same thing in her life and her trust with God because her parents, I had, by all rights, biblically, I did not have a sexual affair with my wife, but I did with drugs. And she had, I believe she had the rights to divorce me. Mm-hmm. And this, because there could be no coming back from that trust wise. And so I was fully expecting that. And then here's what, tell them what you, and that's, as we, we did the math. It was probably the same day. Yeah, I was driving down Kingston Pike one day and after this conversation with this lady, and I said, fine. All right, God, I choose to trust you and I choose you. But if, if you, if you choose to save my marriage, God, I choose to follow you and I will use this for your glory. If you Mm -hmm. just, if you just, I cry out to you, if you just save my marriage, Mm -hmm. I'm giving him one more chance. But God, if you choose not to save my marriage and he goes down this hole again, I'm going to choose to trust you and I'm going to use it for your glory. I had that conversation with him. Yeah. And then like Adam said, we have no doubt when we were praying that prayer that it was within, it was that same day. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, in fact, I want to plug this. Uh, We're going to put this in the show notes. Your complete testimony and everything is on... Uh, your podcast, Adam, the uh, the Ministries podcast, yeah, right? Life After Addiction, yeah, Life After Addiction. I don't remember the episode, but we'll we'll have it in the show notes okay. uh, because I want you to hear the entire um, the entire testimony uh, about that. Tell me a little bit about what life has looked like for mm-hmm. you guys. Just kind of a snapshot yeah. coming out of. Uh, the uh, the your your recovery time, yeah. your recovery, and then. Uh, kind of where it's put you today. Yeah. Well, God was restoring our marriage, right? And our, our trust, he was testing our trust uh, in him and him alone. No longer idols for me, no longer maybe parents or f- money or whatever it could be. Our trust was in him. So he's growing our marriage. Wow. Um, no longer was I expecting divorce papers. And then uh, towards the end of the time, I was asked to do an internship with S2L. And I was like, okay, you know, yeah, I could, do, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I feel called at this point, Adam, you've got to give back. You can help men who've gone through the things you've gone through. Agreed to that. Is it however many months? And then at the end of that, they offered me a position. My wife's in Knoxville, her family, my family's in Knoxville. Everything I know job wise would be in Knoxville. So I gave him the church answer. Hey, let me pray about it with my wife for three days. <laughs> three, give me three days. Yeah, Give me three days. We'll pray about it. We'll come back to you deep down. I even said this when I called Katie uh, and she had visited. We, we, you know, obviously we were, we were restored at this point, um, ready to move on. Uh, and I said, Hey, probably a, a big no here, but let's pray about it. I told him I would, let's pray about if I take this position. So we do. And on the second day of praying about this, um, Katie's boss comes to her in Knoxville and they don't know the situation going on. Obviously she family did, people did, but not her public life. And her boss comes to her and said, Hey, you know, there's a position and opening up, uh, and with the potential of, of a raise and, you know, uh, elevating in your title, yeah. but you'd have to move to middle Tennessee to take the position. <laughs> uh, would you be interested? And it was, was like, like, are you serious? Yeah, like, <laughs> Only God. Only God. Yeah. That's well, awesome. Yeah. All right. Check God. We got you. We're going to be obedient. We told you we would. And so God's grown us, our marriage, our trust in him. Cause things were tight. I started, I started off. I mean, the campus is about an hour away from where we're living. And what I was being paid was not enough to cover gas for a week uh, as a ministry. 
and it was just obedient. And God just was letting us know, hey, trust me. And, and he just began to grow us and the, the desires of our hearts with children and wanting to be parents. He, he blessed us with, like she said, two babies and all the while elevating me with leadership and responsibility within the ministry and testing my integrity and testing my, you know, just, are you going to do this? And so, and, you know, to this point now for the last couple of years, you know, I, I've been asked by the board to serve as uh, chief executive officer and what he's doing now with the ministry um, is just incredible. We're about to, uh, I think be one of the first, if not the first truly Christ centered program to be licensed medically by the state of Tennessee. Um, we just had a wow, partnership. Yeah, it's a really big deal. And we're going to launch that. So maybe a little sneak peek, but we just did a partnership with a college that's offering college credit if they go through our program. So awesome. God's just, oh, that's incredible. he's blowing things up and, and, you know, we love to talk about our story. We've talked to churches and we'd love to do that. If, if someone wants us to come and talk any as well. small groups or any ministries. We, we just love to share a story because we know, we know people, whether it's addiction, whether it's an affair, whether it's anything, there are struggles in marriages every day, um, where the enemy, um, Satan, um, is telling you lies that there is no coming back from it. And I, I know there's somebody listening, go, going, but how do you trust him? Like, I mean, he just completely lost. It's hard. That's yeah. the hardest thing. Yeah. Um, it took years for me to trust him. Um, now, now, obviously, I trust him with everything in me. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't a couple of days. It wasn't a couple of weeks, but it was years. And it's very daunting for some people. Mm. But my marriage and him was completely worth it. And my life now serving the Lord and sharing mm. our testimony is better than anything that I could have ever dreamed of my life being. Um, it wasn't, it's not just the safe living in Knoxville where both of our families mm. live. Yeah. It was a leap of faith um, that God was saying, are you going to take it? Yeah. And, and, and what did. an adventure it's been. <laughs> yeah. huh. Well, talk about that season when you were just putting one foot in front of another to trust him yeah. and I'm sticking with it, but it's, it's difficult to journey. I mean, did you have support around you? I know your family at that point yeah. wasn't around. Well, yeah, my family lived in Knoxville. But, that, but at that point, when I decided to move here, they were on board. My family um, has been very supportive. I mean, obviously with, you know, reservation, just like I had when I moved here. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I'm just <laughs> going <laughs> because they gave me a promotion. But um yeah, I did. I had support from friends back home. At that point, I didn't have a lot of support here yeah. because I didn't know anybody here yeah. other than him. Um, but I did have a lot of support back home. But the biggest thing that helped us mm -hmm. and me was getting plugged into a church. Yeah. And honestly, we, we became members of Life Point Church in Smyrna, Tennessee. And it was completely life-changing for our marriage yeah. because honestly, we got plugged into a small group. We got plugged into um, just a community at LifePoint. Um, we made some of our very best friends that we've ever had. Um, and <laughs> yeah, we still go to vacation and things. We still go them. to vacations with them. Yeah. I actually got a story about our first small group experience, if you care to hear yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, so I was low on the totem pole with the ministry, meaning I was having to work every other weekend. 
you know, um, so Sundays was that every other. So Katie, we started going to Life Point. We knew right away this is home, and we knew it was important to find a church quickly. We we knew it was home, uh, and all of a sudden one day, I guess there was small group booths or something. But one of the Sundays I wasn't there, Katie signed us up for a small group. Um, and, and, and I mean, obviously we talked like about a this good is, wife, like yeah. a good wife. And this is important to do, uh, but come, come the first day. And I believe they met on Sundays uh, and it was only twice a month. So it worked good with my schedule, but it came the day for us to go to small group for the first time. Um, and for some reason I just wasn't, it's my day off. I just, I just wasn't having it. And we were running a little late yeah. and we pull up to the house of these people I've, I've never met. Uh, and it's the Bullens. Uh, I've never met them. And I'm just like, Katie, we're late. Let's just catch them next time, which would have been two more weeks. She's like, let's just go in. And I we're was going like, in. And so we go in. They're all sitting in the living room. And I, um, it wasn't haughty, but in my mind, I was like, okay, we'll do this thing. We'll do this thing. <laughs> and so they go around. They're introducing themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I won't mention uh, the names, but well, I'd mentioned one, but it was it was pretty. Hey, we're the so and sos, and da da da, and it was good, and it was really chipper, and it was really, um, <laughs> it was like you would think, you know, it was church, oh, yeah. church kind of speak, yeah. and it got around to me, and I was like, got him. I was like, well, I just got out of rehab not too long ago. I was a thief and a drug addict, and God restored me, and da 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 da. And I mean, as I'm talking, the mouths are just drop, drop, <laughs> just dropping, and they're just like, what? <laughs> And then uh, the leader, the small group leader, Peyton Bullen, he goes, it was silent. Yeah. And I was like, I showed my wife. We're not, <laughs> next time we're not coming in. And then Peyton, it was silent for, it seemed like forever. It was probably just a couple of seconds. And then Peyton, the, the small group leader goes, yes, finally, it got real. And it would just open up this atmosphere of masks being wow. taken off. And, and it actually amazing. went back around the circle yeah. and like, Real life Real issues introductions, yeah. came yeah. out That's and it awesome. was like a really cool moment for that small group in that season that we were able to get real yeah. and like the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. Mm-hmm. And, and that was cool. I don't know that I could say that was my intentions, but it was what happened. Uh, and then like Katie said, to this day, we are the closest of friends with some of those people. And they are our support. Yeah. And that's what we had our support and God led us to that. Yeah. Um, ultimately here in Middle Tennessee as well that I had yeah. in Knoxville as well. So. Man, so the church that. has been very important. Oh, a very important. Piece. You have no idea. Okay. Yeah. Well, you probably do, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is. The church yeah. is. It, a, it is a, so it, important. It's going to be important in the in the uh, the walking in freedom and yeah. walking in truth. Having mm-hmm. believers around you mm-hmm. is going to be an important important thing. Let me ask you this: as a family, uh, you know, family cast. We've heard the re- the restoring and the redeeming of of your marriage. How has your story impacted your parenting? Mm. Being a parent mm. now, what, what, what is, I mean, or, or have, you, have, you, have you thought about that? I mean, uh, how's, it, how's it affected your parenting? Yeah, I think it, it probably subconsciously has affected it more than actual thought because our kids are real young still. Um, but... I mean, as far as like certain medicines and things like that, we're like, okay, do we really need to be giving them Tylenol tonight? If, if, you know, I mean, little things like that probably, but as far as parenting, I think we know, um, 
the direction we want to go when they get a little older and yeah. some yeah. things that we want to protect them from maybe or maybe even educate them on early yeah. on that, that yeah. it just wasn't edu- hey be careful with this prescription you could become addicted yeah which never happened you know even the i mean it probably says it on the label but it's just like you know the culture that mm-hmm. we grew up in 80s 90s you know that wasn't the doctor said okay you know so yeah. that must be it yeah. so probably educational we'll do some things like that um but what would you say parenting i would say um you know when our son was born um i think you had a, a real cool moment that god was kind of revealed what it really meant for God to sacrifice his son and how the Bible really actually came to life Mm -hmm. when we had our children. And, um, there is a sense of protection and, um, just deep desire for them to know the truth. Um, and even at a young age where my son looks at a cross and said, Jesus died for us. And I'm, you know, saying, but then what happened? You know, he rose again. And so I think there's a deep desire. I know that there's a deep desire for them to really get it at a young age. And we pray over them constantly. God, protect them Mm -hmm. from the issues that Adam and myself had to go through. Right. We pray that ultimately your story is the best story. Mm -hmm. Right. Because although it was really hard, what got him there, the addiction is why we're here and being able to tell the story. We want to protect them from that, Lord. But if they do go through something, Lord, help them turn Mm -hmm. quickly from that. And um, we pray constantly over their testimony Mm. that it'll be not like mine, not like Adam. Yeah. And ultimately that Ella will find somebody that isn't addicted. Um, so that's very real in our prayer over mm-hmm. them um, because of what we've gone through. So we, we do, we do pray for their testimonies a lot that if there is sin, that it'll be, a they'll be convicted early and quickly um, and that they will turn from it. And, and chase hard after God from a young age hard. and yeah. that he saves them from me. And so that's a good, as you're saying that I didn't, subconsciously we're doing things because yeah. of our story that I didn't really put together, yeah. but definitely praying over them, definitely because of the mercy and the goodness of God and seeing that it is a major priority for us to teach our children and cover them in prayer and uh, talk about Jesus, talk about the Bible, talk about these things, even though they're four and two. Yeah. Um, that's definitely because of our story. And I'm sure that as the kids get older, the aspects of forgiveness, yeah, yeah. will play major, major roles. The yeah. a, the uh, yeah. the aspects of uh, persevering in the love of Christ will play. Yeah, uh, Adam, let me ask you this. Uh, Katie spoke just a moment ago to uh, the 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 wife, the spouse, the husband who's ready to give up. Today, there are young men, young women who are struggling with addiction. Yeah. Speak a word of encouragement that there is hope. Uh, What are those next steps today that they need to step out in? Yeah, I'll I'll speak to the person struggling directly and then maybe to the family member, if that's okay. Uh, There is hope and not because of my story. My story is great. Testimonies I could talk about all the time about, yeah, this is great and they're powerful, but the authority is in the word of God and what he says is, and he says there's freedom from the bondage of sin. Uh, and we have to take him for his word. And how do you get there? Man, you go into a process. One, you've got to ask for help. Uh, 
people are dying. It, 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 statistics will say, and I'll, I'll hit you with some statistics, but if, if you're 50 years old, um, why are you pointing at me? Uh, uh, <laughs> I wish no, I wish that really friend, was really that lovely did. gesture you, of him <laughs> referencing Kyle going. Actually, that's awesome. Uh, but I meant because we just heard the statistic yeah. at, a, at, a, at church the other day. But but that's good too. Not because of your age, but we just heard this at church. Yeah. If if your peer group is fifty years old or younger, yeah. then the number one cause of death is drug overdose. Mm-hmm. Wow. What? And so it's very serious. People are dying. Ask for help. I know there's so much shame. There's so much fear. There's so much whispers in your ear of what's going to happen if you do this, but they're lies. There's hope. There's restoration. And God, is, his promises are to redeem and draw and sanctify you. So ask for help. And there's help out there. As far as the parent or the wife or the spouse or the husband of someone, or maybe the child for a parent, mm-hmm. here's the advice I always give. Make it as hard as possible for someone to stay living a life of addiction and make it as easy as possible for them to walk into a place of recovery. That's awesome. And those are boundaries. Katie could talk about the boundaries like she separated from me. She left me. That was hard. And and not, not paying money, not giving money, not believing the lies. Those are really hard things to do that you feel to the family member. You're going to feel, and they're going to make you feel this way, manipulation. You're going to feel like you're hurting them, Mm -hmm. but you're not. You're loving them very well. You make it as hard as possible for this and as easy as possible for this. Uh, Adam, real quickly, uh, give the listeners, we'll put these in the show notes, but give these listeners uh, some resources from S2L, uh, things that they need to be, uh, they can find and look Mm -hmm. for. Okay, excellent. S2Lrecovery.org, and that's the numeral two, so S2Lrecovery.org, and we have resources on the website. Um, if, if you're a female struggling, we have a list of female places that are Christ-centered that we've referred to. Awesome. Uh, we have the blogs. We have the podcast, Life After Addiction. There's a lot of resources to stay plugged into. We have Catapult. Um, we, you could watch it online on the Facebook Live. What is Catapult? Catapult's our weekly service. It's open to the public. Alumni come back. If they're out of state living, they'll tune in live. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's a time to come together, worship, live worship. Mm-hmm. And then you hear a message of hope from one of our recovery pastors um, each week, Thursday at 7 p.m. How many people have gone through uh, S2L? Do you, I don't know if you have those numbers. And Total? So, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, what's it look like? The recidiv- uh, and People who have experienced freedom and those. Yeah. Uh, in 13, so 2006, uh, we were founded, uh, and I would say probably, I don't have all the early data, but I have very good data recently because we have a, a system of doing it now. I would say there's a couple thousand men have gone through. Yeah, uh, We did a survey not too long back uh, where we called uh, 100 men that have been out of the program for at least one year. They've been out of the program for at least one year, and we called them and family, and we had a list of questions. One of those was, like you said, one of the questions was, are you plugged into church? Mm-hmm. 60% of those guys were still living free, uh, and 40% wasn't. That, that's not good enough uh, for us, but it's five times the national average mm-hmm. of success rates. Yeah. The national average is 12% of guys being clean and free. We're at 60%. So it's astronomical in the field, but it's not good enough. And so that's some of the steps Mm -hmm. we're taking, like becoming licensed and things like that, adding different types of staff. Um, But it's very interesting that that being plugged into a church family for for the relationships, for the accountability, for just the doing life with people. Those 60%, you can imagine what they said, if they were in church or not. Mm-hmm. Folks, I want you to know that uh, 
the story is real. Uh, Amy and I have had the opportunity over the last several years to walk up close with uh, Adam and Katie, and I want you to know that it is real. Uh, life has changed. Uh, ministry is happening, and uh, your story is so, so encouraging to me. And uh, I want to say personally, um, I don't care where you are, what you're doing, uh, what you're feeling right now. If you are struggling with uh, addiction, if you are, if if someone in your family, you have a friend, there is hope. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're married for 25, 30 years, or if you're 19 and you are at your wits end, whatever it is, there is hope where you are. And, um, uh, talk to one of your pastors, talk to one of your, your small group leader. And if they don't know what to do, uh, then you keep speaking to someone until they can get you to where you need to be. Uh, I do want you to go to the show notes. We'll have all these links and I know that, uh, S2L, uh, will, um, be able to get you help where you are and help you with the next step. All right. So Katie, Adam, thank you so mm. much for being on the uh, podcast. Your story is going to be instrumental in a lot of people's lives. Um, that's something I heard over and over in your story, how God used different people. Um, so I'm, I'm blown away at what God has done in your family and in your marriage. I'm eager anticipating what he's going to do in other people's family through your ministry and through people hearing your story. So thank you. I know you guys have life and kids to get back to and all kinds of great stuff. So thank you for joining us today. Folks, we want to thank you for listening. Share this with, with a friend. It's going to be powerful in a lot of lives. So go out, have a great day. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on Family Cast, a weekly conversation about marriage, parenting, and all things family. We ask you to subscribe to FamilyCast on your favorite podcast platform and invite a friend to listen in.